I've mastered all of these books and I don't know the Quran. It hurts me that innocent Muslims become confused. I didn't understand the depth of the decision, but I understood this is a big decision. Peace be upon you all and welcome to another Safi Bros podcast. We'd love to welcome an amazing brother from the US, Sheikh Dr. Yasser Qadi. Welcome to the Safi Breath Podcast. Jazakumullah khair for having me. Assalamu alaikum No need for a bio. I think everyone, alhamdulillah, mashallah, I think you've got one of the best series in relation to our seerah of the Rasul Salah Salaam, mashallah. Mashallah alayhi barik fiqh, inshallah. So I would like to welcome you. And inshallah, today is your success story, as the Safi Brothers do their whole series on under success stories heading. And inshallah, I would love to take you back to you being born in Texas. Yes, Houston, Texas. I was Houston, born in Texas. Houston, Texas. Alhamdulillah. Take us through that journey, mom and dad, how you ended up there. Uh, That'd be great to, I, I don't know much. So uh, uh, my father was one of the first uh, immigrants from Pakistan to America back in 1962. Um, sure. he, he came when there was hardly anybody else there. Uh, and he founded the first MSA, the Muslim Student Association. He, well, why Texas? Um, so he got a scholarship to study at the University of Houston. It was just like complete, you know, random thing. Allah you know? Akbar. And um, uh, there was no other, you know, previous, or he didn't know anybody before. Like, the standard story, you land with 20 bucks in your pocket, <laughs> don't know where, you know, he had to take a taxi to the campus, had no idea where to stay, wow. you know, stays in a hostel the first few days. Like literally just the stories that we hear from that time frame. So wow. alhamdulillah, he came there, uh, he did his master's and then a <clears> PhD, got married along the way, obviously brought my mother, I was born. Uh, founded the first mosque, the first Sunday school, you know. So alhamdulillah, the, the, so I was born into a, a family that already had a love for Islam. So dad came to study uh, like? Uh, uh, yeah, PA, master's and PhD. Yeah, oh, wow. in, in, uh, uh, in basically in medicine and pathology and biology. Oh, so wow. he became a university professor. So Was he married then? Or did no, he... no, when he came, as he came, was a single. How old? Um, he was, I think, 30, uh, 30 31. Wow. A little bit older, but that was how it used to work back in those days. Wow. You know? So, it's yeah, older not to be married by then too. Yeah, so he because again his well, <laughs> you want to go back even more. We can go. That's it's all very personal, <laughs> no, so but it's very it's very relevant because my father always says that because he sacrificed for his parents, that's why Allah blessed him. Wow. So he, his parents were, you know, um, they had given up everything to migrate to Pakistan because so, you know um, that in 1947 there was that yes, partition. Yes, yes. And my grandfather wanted to live in a good Muslim land. So my grandfather and grandmother decided to give up everything and it was a huge loss, you know, because what happened in 1947 is that the Muslims were taken advantage of because the locals would not buy their, because they know they're going to leave. Yes. Not, so you, you wouldn't get your money's worth. You had to just abandon yes. or sell for pittance like nothing. Yes, yes, so yes. they gave everything up. They were living a middle class life and they ended up like pretty much in poverty when they come because everybody's an immigrant, yes, you know, millions. Yeah. Actually, historically, the largest mass migration in human history occurred in 1947. Wow. The largest mass migration in history occurred when people migrated from both sides. So you can imagine millions of migrants coming immediately to one city. What's going to happen? Yeah. So they were very, you know, impoverished. So my father was the oldest son, Allah, you know, out of oldest. eight brothers and sisters. So mm. he had to work part-time, even as a teenager, and then uh, delay his education. He he actually gave up medical school because they couldn't afford the fees. He got into medical school. It, it was his dream to be a doctor. He gave that up, right? And he kept on, you know, he would tell us this later on that because I gave up everything for my parents, 
that's why we ended up, alhamdulillah, so blessed and fortunate, oh, wow. even though it wasn't the case in the beginning of his life. Similar to our story, my dad's the oldest. He sacrificed everything. Yep, yep, he was a doctor. He let, he let it go and looked after his brothers and siblings. Subhan- so Allah, Allah does not, you know, take any of these things in vain. Allah, oh, Allah. Azawajal rewards Amen. when you give back to your family, to Amen. your people. Amen. Allah Amen. rewards this. So yeah, that He keeps yeah, so on saying we this have to something us, like, in common. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, my, my grandfather got really ill, and my father was the oldest, so he had yeah. to go back and he didn't get married till thirty-five. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't get back exactly, exactly, yeah, exactly. Because exactly. he had to look after his family, yeah, exactly. Look after his brothers, and he had many. Yeah, yeah, and, he, and he came and left everything Subhanallah and to so work a in a factory story. Exactly Subhanallah So it's a similar story Exactly like Just to sacrifice your family and then It's Allah amazing how many of us Have done that Throughout the Muslim world That have yeah. lived yeah. Subhanallah It's amazing that Allah, we sat here Allah. Suddenly sharing that Subhanallah Allah. So take us Take us as a young chap yourself um, So Alhamdulillah So I mean uh, uh, how, how many in the family If you don't mind me asking? I have one brother That's it? Small, yeah, small Two boys family. Yeah two boys yeah, One older brother Just me and him So I um, oh, see so you're the youngest one I'm the younger one Yeah Okay you're the spoiled uh, one <laughs> Basically yeah, Alhamdulillah Because <laughs> usually the older brother Always cops the uh, <laughs> The beatings as they say <laughs> That's true yeah Alhamdulillah So um, my earliest memories um, You know in, for, in terms of Islamic stuff Is really attending khutbas That I just did not understand at all Just disconnected Foreign alien you know Usually in Arabic And obviously we don't speak Arabic Growing up you know yeah, yeah. And, um, Sunday school was a chore And a bore Did not like going to Sunday Islamic school at all You know So I mean that was one of the motivations for me That when I did, did become uh, a younger man Like I wanted to know my religion And back in the 90s You're old enough to remember this There was no quality education In the English language no. There was no deep level book There were no You know There were no Like ulama Who could speak English fluently Yes At my yes. understanding As 100%. a teenager You know 100%. There were ulama That had come To America Egyptian Pakistani yeah. And if they spoke English Like you know Half broken Whatever yeah, yeah. And they had a translator A translator And then yeah. also Like the subjects And the topics There's not a connection no There's connection. not a relevance you Correct know? Yeah. So we, we, Exactly We felt like They came from a different world to project exactly, that onto us without exactly. us understanding. And like we said, like, this yeah. doesn't really fit here. Exactly. SubhanAllah, yes. So I, ha- I felt this, this, this curiosity, this thirst, you know, especially going through college. Uh, I was studying engineering, chemical engineering, you know. Um, oh, I, I loved chemistry and... Um, You know, in our culture, you have to be engineer, doctor. <laughs> exactly. There's just yeah, no third funny. option. You know no lawyer. <laughs> you get the lawyer. <laughs> Maybe lawyer, accountant, but you know, the default, you know, A or B is like engineer, no, no, doctor. I think, I think every, every one of our guests, <laughs> that certificate. I think every one of our guests so far <laughs> say that my father, mother wanted me to be a lawyer or a doctor or an accountant or yeah, engineer. Yeah, you have to do this. Like you have to. I mean, it's just, it's, you, you don't even think, what else can I do? Because this is something, and you know, I don't blame them. No, no, I don't blame no, them because they wanted success for their children. They wanted to have stable careers, right? So, so again, I, I didn't like biology. I just couldn't imagine being operating on a human body. I just hated biology. So, so then if there's no, you know, bi- there's no, you know, a medicine, so there's got to be engineering. Out of engineering, you know, actually I flirted with aeronautical engineering because I just like the idea of designing planes or whatnot. But then I said, you know what? I like chemistry and chemical engineering is a vibrant field. There's oil, there's this and that, you know? So I did chemical engineering. I, I, I graduated, I worked at Dow Chemical, which is one of the big chemical corporation plants in America oh, wow. and the world. So I worked at Dow Chemical for a while uh, as an intern, you know, so meaning, meaning before graduation, yeah, the yeah. In, uh, intern. Uh, Alhamdulillah, in our chemical engineering department, there would always be like one student in the third year who would get an internship, the top student. I got that internship. Inshallah. And what that did was that it guaranteed me a job at Dow Chemical wow. when I graduated. Can, can I touch right. just based on that? Obviously, to be to be recognized, to be a, the top tier, to be given that, 
Were you always a person of excellence? Did you always try your best? Did you always? Yeah, that was always that was always ingrained in me by my parents and also by myself. Like I just, uh, I was a valedictorian in my high school. I was always wanted to study hard. Just I had ambitions as a child, but wallahi, nothing to do with Islamic studies. Ambitions as a child to do something big, but not at all. It, it never <laughs> crossed my mind. Never. So, so w- when was that light bulb moment that, subhanAllah, that you transitioned, for, let's say, from so dunya he, to here's deen? Here's the irony that people don't believe when I say this. Even when I gave up my, my Dow Chemical um, um, uh, offer, because, so let me just quickly backtrack. So I'll never forget one of my most iconic moments for me in my life that Lord. I had applied to the University of Medina in my fourth year. Uh, and I had, you know, um, been accepted in July, the acceptance came, right? For August, like literally one month, right? Wow. I have to make a decision in one month. So I have like on my desk, the Dow Chemical offer, and the University of Medina offer. Wow, dunya and... Like, I literally, and I'm looking and I'm thinking, man, like, what am I going to do? Wow. Because I understood this is going to be... I didn't understand the depth of the decision, but I understood this is a big decision. I understood this is going to really change course for me. But here's the irony. I thought change course meant I'm going to have to study Dean for a while and then come back and do another degree or you know, be put back in engineering or MBA or something. So I thought it's going to be a temporary few years where I'm going to eke out a difficult existence and not really going to be full time for me in the sense, remember this is 1994 or something like that. There, there were no role models for me in the Western world that this is what you do when you go and study overseas and come back. Mm, There were no, you know, ulama that had come back and, and were preaching. I mean, you know, there, that didn't exist. I mean, I remember 94, 95, we had just heard of Yani Sheikh Hamza Yusuf had just Shalom. come back. And we were hearing of, oh, this is like the first Yani American raised But even then he was just beginning his, yes. his, his journey. Yeah, journey. His journey yeah, right. So there was no, you know, career. There was no money or fame or career in Islamic studies. You yes. have to understand this point. You know, remember yes. this. Yes. There was nothing. So I thought, <laughs> if anything, <laughs> exactly. So I thought I'm going to have to sacrifice my career for five years, four years, and then come back and then rehabilitate myself in the engineering Allah, field or something, you know, and I'll have to delay my marriage. I'll have to give up my dunya, everything. I said, Khair, inshallah, I want to know my deen. So I'll just go do that. So my wow. point is I didn't actually change career paths. I delayed in my mind at the time, Allah, okay, a career path, thinking that let me just learn the deen. Wow. Yani, as Allah is my witness, I never ever dreamt of becoming a full-time da'i and preacher and quote-unquote sheikh. Never. It's not on my agenda because there was nobody like that, is what I'm trying to say, yeah. right? And so, subhanAllah, mm-hmm. we, we spoke about that before. We, we, a lot of us, subhanAllah, are lacking, especially us in our age, we're lacking a lot of brothers to look up to or yes. to focus on to say, I can be like them. This, and alhamdulillah, this is the yeah. aim of this podcast. This is the aim of the podcast because we, li- we, li- we really, our youth are lacking that they're looking up to these non-Muslims that they really don't have. They're not in touch with mm. our community. Not in touch with what it is to be a Muslim and also have that success. Yeah. yeah. So, as a young chap, like you let's say twelve, thirteen, you went to normal school. Yeah. N- n- How was that struggle? So, because so, we we, yeah. we we felt that uh, you know we're Lebanese Muslim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my my father got a job um, as a as the professor and then the dean of the medical college uh, in King Abdulaziz University in Jeddah. So I went to a British expatriate school, like a elite private school, you yes. know, like a private school, British curriculum. Wow. Um, and I went through what is called the GCEO levels at the time. Um, so I did that. So in that time frame, 
Alhamdulillah, I'm living in a Muslim land, but there's no like extra Islamic studies. How old studies, were you then? You know? uh, no, so I did my teenage years over there. Oh, you did like, your oh. Yeah, yeah. So you left, you left the US at what age? Uh, six. So you left at six, Saudi yeah. Arabia. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then coming back every year to America, staying in Jeddah. But the what you need to understand in the 80s, living in Saudi Arabia as a Westerner, you are in a, a, a bubble. Mm. It's an expatriate bubble. Yes, yes. You live in different places. You go to different schools. You are disconnected from, right. you know, from the broader society. That's, that's all in Jeddah. Yes, Jeddah. Yeah. That's so I Jeddah, didn't speak yes, Arabic at all. Wow. No, not at all. I mean, like, how much is this? Yeah, but that's it. Wow. Because there is no interaction. Yes, like yes, you yes. Are, you yeah. are living in an expatriate bubble. You're right. Where mm. everybody around you is, you know, right. expat. Yes, you know, the buildings you're living in, the school right. you go to, right? So there's a huge disconnect. But I guess the positive side, I mean, because you're in a Muslim land, you're hearing the adhan and, you know, we go to Mecca regularly um, because it's Jeddah. Yes. You know, I mean, there's no drugs or alcohol easily available, <laughs> yes. you know, at that time frame, alhamdulillah. So alhamdulillah. we had a, 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 a beautiful, I had a beautiful childhood. I really so How long were you there? What, when did you get back to the U.S.? Uh, came back after high school. So this is 1990-ish. Yeah. So most of your like childhood that. years, you were in, in Jeddah. Jeddah. Yeah. Oh, well, wow, mashallah. Yeah. So, wow. so that would have been... Wow, so six. you and your brother? Both. Yes, my brother came back way before me. He's older than me. Okay. My brother Did he also follow me. the Islamic path? Uh, no, he's he has an MBA. He's a business he's in the, uh, business? business business consultant. Inshallah. Alhamdulillah. 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 So subhanallah, so let's uh, take him back. You grew up to be six years old in America, went to Jeddah. So mercy education there. Was there a sort of a light bulb moment that got you close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or got through to the deen as a young chap? Was there something, was there a little burn in your heart that sort of See, started at all? I wish anyway? I could tell you a nice, you know, romantic story or something. <laughs> Fact of the matter is... A Stevens yeah, story. No, no, no. Fact of the matter is that uh, Islamically speaking, I, I, I had a, a good childhood. My father, were, my parents were very religious all the time, praying five times a day. Inshallah. You know, I never remember a time in my life where I wasn't praying five times a day. So my, my father instilled in me salah. And Allah. eventually he uh, encouraged me to memorize the Quran in Jeddah. Allah. So I did memorize the Quran at home. SubhanAllah. Just on my own, somebody would come in and help me, you know. Allah. An imam would come and help me, but I did it on my own uh, in Jeddah. Uh, and then that was about it. There was no, there was no... There was no desire or incentive at that stage. Again, at this stage, you're not really thinking of Islamic studies. Yes, yes. Yeah. You're just like, you know, okay, I'm a Muslim, alhamdulillah. When I went to university, I had to make a decision. Do I really want to practice Islam or not? Yeah. Because now university, your parents can't control you. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. University, you are on your own. The light bulb and it was at university that I discovered I actually enjoy being a Muslim. Mm. It brings sukoon to my heart. And in, at university, I got what was involved. It? What was it that brings sukun to your heart? So the the sense of nobility, the sense of purpose, the sense of belonging, the sense of there's a higher purpose to this dunya. Mm. And at university, I got involved with the Muslim Student Association, yeah, the MSA. Do you guys yeah. have it here? Yeah, yeah, course, yeah. we do. Yeah. Course, yeah. I got involved with the MSA. I be, like My four years at university, most of my memories are from the MSA, not from the classes and exams. Wow. I was super active with the MSA. My Such first as? year. What were you doing? So literally, the first week that I caught in, I wanted to volunteer. So they they told me to okay, Khalas, you're in charge of um, uh, preparing the the khatib's um, uh, microphone system and and do that right. So they taught me how to do that. So you know, literally for the for like all this AV stuff back then, <laughs> I'll be setting up the microphone, putting all the wires in, you know, nice. like that. Subhanallah. And now people do it for me, but I started. <laughs> people, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like so, every time somebody does it for me, I said, "May one day you also be on this side." You know, inshallah, I've inshallah, done this. Mubarak. I've done this as a teenager. Right? And then the next year, um, they put me in charge of the dawah table. 
So I would be every week or every two weeks, I think, we'd have a da'wah stall on campus, okay? Again, this is like pre-9-11 by a decade, man, 91, oh, 92, yeah, long yeah. time ago, you know? So every week I'd be standing at the university main center, like the hall, the hub, and just have a big learn about Islam, discover Islam, and I'd be standing there talking with people, people, wow. you know, asking, debating, whatnot. So you kind of sort of start honing your skills about... Active, so so that yeah. was that was your sort of foundation base. Exactly, so, yeah. Because yeah. that's like, mashallah, like you're very well spoken. You, you must have had a lot of practice. So, so we've, we've you seen you online. Think, I'm telling you, growing up, I'm a, I was an introvert. Go ask any of my, you know, friends back in, 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 in middle school. I was a shy, geeky, nerdy kid. I'm still geeky and nerdy, but <laughs> I was a shy, introverted kid, you know. I didn't have the, the, the you know, the confidence to speak in public, Whoa. but university begins to change, you know? Yeah. And when you're now, you know, on the on the limelight of like, you know, uh, my first khutbah also, that's also a funny story that uh, there, uh, I was um, 17, 18, the, the khatib canceled at uh, uh, last minute, we found that there's no khatib coming. So the president of the MSA says, we don't have khatib, you give the khutbah. I'm like, I've never given a khutbah. Goes, well, you, know, you have to, we don't have a khutbah. You have wow. to give the khutbah. Wow. So I literally like was put on the spot, like, you know, on the spot, give a khutbah right then and there. I mean, I had to just prepare whatever I could and, you know, eke a khutbah out. <laughs> but subhanAllah, then you realize, well, actually it's pretty effective. People are appreciating and whatnot. Because again, you're speaking in their language, right? Yes, yes, yes. You know the issues that are that are, that are addressing. addressing. Yeah, this has been, I think, one of the main reasons why people like us have had such successes, not because astaghfirullah were astaghfirullah more pious or more knowledgeable. No, it's because we're more relevant. Yes, mm. yes. We understand the issues and I know what needs to be said because I'm also one of you. I'm yes. also living in the same society, you know? Yes, yes. And so being active and then, you know, being involved in uh, inviting uh, shuyukh and ulama. So we used to invite, you know, preachers to come and, you know, uh, at that time, there weren't really like ulama per se, but you had like Siraj Wahaj, you know, and Jamal Badawi, yes, you know, these were activists. Yes. May Allah bless them. I owe a lot to them. You know, we knew that they weren't like, you know, bona fide scholars, but they inspired us with confidence and love, yeah, you yes. know? And you know, it's just, you, you, you know, there's something that needs to be done for the sake of the ummah. So those four years, it kind of sort of like gave me a taste that I need to be more active in my faith. And I mean, I've said this story multiple times. I'll say it on your podcast as well. Um, one day in particular, I remember uh, something that really it, it, it has remained with me forever. So for some weird reason, I don't know why, uh, I would sleep on the floor as a teenager. I wouldn't sleep on my bed. I would just sleep on the floor. I just have a, a light mattress there and just a light, actually, not even mattress, just a thing there. So I had to sleep on the floor and my books would all be on the floor as well. Okay. And I went, I was lying, lying down and I saw my books piled up organic chemistry and differential equations and whatnot, physics, and wow. like all these books piled up, you know? And Alhamdulillah, I'm an A student. I graduated whatever, Kumla, whatever the thing is. I got all this stuff. <laughs> Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, straight A student, everything there. And I just kind of felt I've mastered all of these books and I don't know the Quran. Allah. Wow. I've memorized the Quran. Yeah. I don't know the Quran. Yes. This one book, the Quran, and I don't know what it means. I don't understand Arabic. Allah. And I felt a sense of shame, I'll be honest. Like all of this I know, and I don't know the kalam of Allah, you know? Just felt like, what am I doing? So yeah. that's, that's the emptiness. That's yeah. The emptiness. yeah. So I was like, I just felt, what am I doing? Like, how, why, how is this? Like, you know? And subhanAllah, in the process, you know, I heard of a university. Again, you have to realize 1992, 93, nobody had heard of University of Medina. Nobody had heard it. This is a very yeah. different world, yes, right? Yes. It just so happened I had met somebody who had stayed there for a year and then was no longer there. 
we heard about it. This is a University of Medina studies advanced and whatnot. So I said, "Khalas, I want to go there. Medina, Medina. Come on, how can you not? You know." Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I, uh, I for the Dow Chemical I worked. I got a certain amount of money. That same money, I spent it all on a plane ticket to go apply to Medina. Allah Akbar. Everything. Every, that was, back then, come on, man. Like, I don't have any money. <laughs> yes, you know, yeah. and you know, like, I didn't did want to tell did my you, parents. Did you, oh, you didn't tell your parents? That's another story I'll tell you as well in a bit. Because uh, Allah. Look, so you I, made you know, the decision yeah, I wholeheartedly. Made, yeah. Were you on campus, sleeping on campus? No, wait. So wait, I applied to Medina. Apply, okay. Application takes months. Okay. Yes. So I, I did an Umrah trip. They knew I'm going for Umrah. They didn't know I'm applying to Medina. Mm. Oh. Okay. Mashallah. But yeah. you already had planned. I had already planned. That mashallah. was the reason I was going. Wow. I, you you wanted to see. You wanted I wanted to see. I wanted to go there. Yeah. So I went and I went into the office and, you know, uh, I put in my application directly to the director. Directly. Mashallah. I went to his office, you know. And I mean, I remember he was like very impressed that I'm engineering and half of and everything coming from the head. Obviously, from America, yeah. that hadn't happened before, right? Yeah. I was told by somebody, I'm not sure, I was told that I'm the first born Muslim from America to graduate from Medina. Most of the people before me were converts. Wow. So the first like born Muslim in America who then decided to study in Medina. Right? Wow. So uh, the, the director was, or the, the dean um, of, of acceptance had actually studied in America in the 70s. So he spoke some English. So he was very impressed. So basically, I didn't know at the time, but got accepted right then and there. I didn't know at the time. Allah, I didn't know, I found out, you know. So anyway, I wish he had told me back then I could have planned better, but no. You know, <laughs> Subhanallah. Yeah. Subhanallah. So, uh, yeah. So then I decided I want to go and, and, and um, you know, study in Medina, but I didn't know if I got in or not. And then the Dow Chemical offer came. I'm like, okay, I guess I'll take this. Alhamdulillah, it's here. And then before I answered that one, I got the acceptance from Medina. So now I have the choice to make, alhamdulillah. Yes. And uh, the rest, as they say, is history. But when I did make that choice, like I said, my niya at the time was, I guess I'll go study a few years and then I'll have to come back yes, and start from scratch. Yes, yes. Allah kept on opening doors and he's still opening doors. And no, I don't know what the future was. What, what, like, was there like very distinct hard times uh, pre, pre like, you know, talk about as a, as a young chap in high school, was there anything that was quite like? Did you, you come know? from the most racist yeah. state like, well, in America? Like Houston, like, that's what yeah. they say. I don't know. No, I've never been to America. Houston is multicultural. Oh, okay. We've never had major issues there. So no, I have to be. Alhamdulillah, had a very privileged life. My father's, you know, middle class. Alhamdulillah, financially, and he, we we didn't. I didn't have a car growing up because my father actually wanted to teach me the value of of money. So for two years, I would literally have to take the bus. And I've always never, I've, uh, at the time I was angry at him as a teenager, like, why can't you get me a car? He goes, and it, you know, my father was struggling, but not poor, but not like, he's yes. like, well, you got to earn your car. You got to, you got to earn your keep. You got to earn your keep. Yeah. So when I, when I came to him, like at the, in my second year, I said, listen, you get me the car and I'll take care of my expenses, my tuition, my uh, insurance after that. That's the deal. You get me the car and I'm off your, your off, paycheck. Off your radar. Yeah. And did so you, did you have any part-time jobs? Career? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of what, course. What, have, what have you done? My first job was at, you know, Barnes & Nobles, the bookstore? Yes, yes, yes. That was my first job. Wow. Barnes & Nobles. I was a cashier. I would And I would look, put the books, I lifted books, boxes. I know I'm not a strong man, but that's what I had to do. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do it, you know? What was I your first it. job? My first job, Barnes & Nobles. Wow. How, how was that, like, as, as a young chap? Can you give us like your struggles through that at all? Because I, I know a lot of our, Realize we get a lot of young of chaps coming in here. My, the, I, I got paid $4.25 an hour back then. Wow. And back then, that would not even get you a meal at McDonald's. I mean, $4.25. You're not going to get a full burger, <laughs> cheeseburger, or whatever. You're not even going to get that. So like, I would work for an entire hour. I realized I can't even afford a meal. Wow. You know? So it kind of humbles you to the value of money. Yes, yes. You know, like you have to, and and that's why I wanted my own sons as well. 
to start off or doing odd jobs because yeah. I wanted them to realize like this is they what money to, is, you know. Yeah, yeah. doesn't matter how much you have, you need to appreciate yeah, money, yeah, you know. Yeah. So and then after that, I became um, uh, something called the night manager for the for the campus. There was a building on campus, and so I just take charge of the arrangements. That was uh, slightly better paying $7 to 25 <laughs> Slightly up. better. Moving up. Yeah, moving up. Yeah, $7. <laughs> it was a big bonus. Yeah. yeah uh, and it gave me free time to study and whatnot. Alhamdulillah. Because you're just managing the building. So that was my yes, second yes. job and I stayed there until Dow Chemical. And then after that, um, even in Medina, by the way, yeah. So f- um, financially, it was very difficult in Medina for me because, you know, I mean, it's, you know, you don't have a job per se and mm. they give you just enough if you're a bachelor to just yeah, get some, that. They just give you just enough yeah. to survive. Just a and, bachelor. And, and, yeah, yeah. and one of the decisions I made that, um, you know, Alhamdulillah, I'm very grateful for. I decided to get married at 21. Wow. Alhamdulillah. Nice. And so, you know, um, my wife was with me in Medina. And so I needed to earn money. Oh, wow. So you had and the so struggle of both. It was a very Opening big a house. Was a very sh- big struggle at the time. So those 10 years in Medina. Um, were, you, were you married before you applied? No, no, no. So no. I got married in my first year. Wow. So I, I, I started Medina 20. I graduated 20. I graduated early. I graduated wow. university at the age of 20. Mashallah. And then I got accepted to Medina at 20. Wow. Because so I, oh, wow. I, I just transitioned from engineering to Medina. Oh, subhanAllah. And I spent 10 years in Medina, 20 to 30. 10? 10 years. Wow. 20 to 30. Amazing. Yeah. I did my Arabic uh, language and then um, four years of, of Hadith studies and then four and a half years of basically yeah. the master's and I stayed a few moments with so like 10 full years we did. What was the hardest Arabic, they say? Uh, Mastering Arabic? So that, the first year of Arabic, because I didn't speak Arabic, right? So they have an Arabic program. And for me, I had never studied formal Arabic grammar. And I was so confused. Wow. What is Irab and what is Maf'ul and Fa'il and, and, you know, like all of these different terms. I'm not fully grasping what's going on. And I'm just trying to catch up because... It was an immersion and I, I skipped the first, just actually two years program, right? And I didn't want to spend two years because the first year was super basic. So I kind of went a little bit, you know, more than I should have. Deep, but still, yeah. went deep. So I just went into like the, th- the third semester, the fourth semester, the third semester. Oh. But khair, alhamdulillah. So it, there was a lot of self-learning and it, it took, it took a, a bit of, you know, a him on my side to just like, you know what, I need to just hit the books, ask the people, get what it is, what it is. Like, you know, any science, if you really are dedicated to it and you set your time and you set your, your, your goals, your, your inshallah, vision, you can yeah. master it. Inshallah. I just want to touch base that, that when you applied for Medina, you, you actually went and did your homework. A lot of the, our youth today, they jump into seeing things without doing their homework. So can mm. you just touch on that for us? That you actually, you, you decided you, went you wanted there. to, you went there you, you met put, with you, students. You put your money on the line. Yeah, and went there, met students before you actually physically yes. Uh, applied. Yes, physically. and I was asking about Why? the different programs. Well, because that's how I do stuff. I always research. It's always in my. It's in my. It's in my. You the know, DNA. DNA. Really, I, I don't just uh, jump into things without knowing what I'm doing. I, sure. I'm very meticulous um, uh, in, in in figuring out what needs to be done, and I read. and And this is in anything, din, dunya, whatever. You know, I'm a bit of a cautious person in that regard. I'm not a serious risk taker. I'm not. It's not my personality. Inshallah. I want to study. I want to know what I'm doing. And then I do calculated risk. So I Amazing. wanted to go there myself, see for myself, see the students, you know, inter- uh, interact with some of the American students that were there. I did all of that. 
You know, and, um, amazing. And, and, you know, find out what's going on. And then inshallah after that. Was there anything that grabbed you when you were there? Was there something that you said, you know what, this is, you know, this feels right. Besides the beautiful place. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Love it's it. a, Peace be upon him. It's a, it's a so the ambience of Medina back in the 90s, it was just like three, 4,000 students. And they're all like super religious at the time. By the way, things have changed. I don't want to talk about the modern stuff, but this is 30 years ago. It's so a very different yeah. thing, you know. That's the time I went to Azure as well. Uh, the, now it's like 10 times larger and Long. everything's changed. Back then it was three, 4,000 students. Yeah. And you walk on campus and everybody, you get the religious vibe, you know? The um, noor. Yeah, the noor. You guess like everybody's involved in ilm and whatnot. So I'm like, I just feel a sense of, I want to I want to do this. Yeah. Was there somebody that you looked up to that you thought, you know, wow, I can be like, is there some, was there something like that? that was, I'm telling you in the Western world, there was no role no model like all, that. At all. I'm saying this. It's just like in that sense... In that sense, even I'm no. talking about in Medina when you were there, like was no, there somebody in, uh, amongst, uh, the, amongst the so, scholars, amongst there, the scholars, yeah, yeah. But I'm talking about the Western, Western world. No, yeah. there no, was no. nobody there. The, I mean, you tell me there was no. <laughs> and I, I, what was I thinking about when you went for that trip? You know, there was there something that grabbed your heart when you were there when you went for that trip? Not, not, not any particular thing. It was just the ambience of. of I remember just walking on campus and just seeing all the students with their books and their, you know, their their thobe and the beers and everything. Like, mashallah, this seems like such a bubble of iman nice. you know so there's that sweetness there yes you know? yes is, is it like obviously the only reason i want to take i want to ask about this journey because in school in general you know when you get to school teachers see value in you they tend to give you more time and effort is it the same there yes there are teachers pets <laughs> everywhere <laughs> were you one of them Indeed, I was for a number of teachers. Yes, I was. Yeah, sure. that, is, that is the way it is. Yeah, I mean, it's human nature. Yeah, that's why I ask. It's yeah. nothing wrong with nothing it. Wrong. No, 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 when no, the teacher senses in the student yes. that this one is really interested in what I'm saying and he's memorizing, and I do, I'm a teacher now. I do the same thing. Sure, you like, can't yeah. help it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. human nature. If the person deserves it, why does that a problem? Yes, right. Hundred percent. So it is. It is what it I'll is. Yeah. So now you finish Medina, ten years. Ten years, Alhamdulillah. And married. No children, three kids, three kids in Medina. Three kids born in Medina, and the Allah fourth one Akbar. born in the PhD stairs. I have four now, but Subhanallah. three kids in Medina. Allahumma ten years, ten solid so years. So tell us, what's the hardest ten years? So, so this, that, all those ten years, you were, you weren't working, just studying and just surviving no, on that was, money. So I had to work uh, doing translations, doing whatever I could do. So you were sort I of semi working. I had to. Wow, oh, I had doing both, kids. marriage life, children, yes. studying. Yeah. Translations and was it? I have Allah, to, like, so I that was sort of books. a bit of an income for you to keep going. Yep, exactly, Not, nothing yeah. exact, just, just just surviving. Just surviving, just surviving. Barely surviving. Yeah, wow. just paying the rent and whatnot, surviving. It was Allah. not an easy, you know. Financially, it was it was a big struggle. And again, I'm a human being, you know. I mean, I I, I I'm just saying this because I want people to understand the reality that you have to sacrifice. And I hope Allah accepts whatever we've done. But obviously, I have engineering friends and college friends. And I remember going back to Houston and, you know, seeing them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah they <laughs> climbing, the money. climbing the corporate ladder. And it's human nature, you know, like you kind of feel, what am I doing? Allah. But I'm like, no, inshallah. Uh, you know, Allah is going to bless, inshallah, you know. Amen. And I mean, it's a very personal thing. I've said this before, so I will say it again. But Allah is my witness. I, I do this not astaghfirullah, not to brag or boast, but to inspire others to, to do something positive. You know that... Going back to that issue of that two papers in front of my in my desk, I'll never forget that I, I I said to myself and to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that, oh Allah, I'm choosing ilm and I want you to give me more than what I would have gotten in the dunya if I chose this paper. Allah, nice dua. And as Allah is my witness, now there is no question in my mind Allah. that what Allah has given me back is much more than I could have gotten 
if I had taken that career. Yeah, mean, but it took a long time. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Oh, yeah, not a long time. Yeah. That's what that's what that's one thing that I need to understand. It takes a long journey. It's the same thing. Like me, me, me bro, him, you know, we've been twenty some plus years yeah. in business. That then they come in, they say, Oh, we want to get the successes in there. What Allah it takes has given a long, me long, long time. I would never have been able to achieve if I had been doing Allah engineering Allah. and standard track of engineering. Never. Allah. But decades it took because ten years in Medina and then even coming back, I came back after ten years and I couldn't even afford to buy a car. Start again. Allah. I had to start all over all again. All over. With three kids and PhD. Wow. And that, those years were financially the most difficult because now I have to pay American money, mm. not Saudi Riyadh. No. <laughs> now I'm living in America. Wow. And I have three kids. SubhanAllah. And I have to. What, what age? What age now? I'm 30. And I have oh. no retirement, no massive. I'm literally starting as if like I'm immigrant almost, no, you know? No, no. Yeah, yeah. Because again, and all of my friends are now, you know, middle middle management. Yes, yes, yes. Ten years ago. Ten years, yes. Everybody's, you know, some are going. Were you expecting it was going to be ten years? No, 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 no. A couple of years. All of this just Allah kept on opening doors. Because I was the first, one of the first, or actually the first, I think, American to do a a graduate degree. Because again, I did my my bachelor's. Even bachelor's, the majority. Western students would drop out like flies back then. Mm. It was just so difficult of a program. Wow. Hardly anybody graduated. The The dropout rate was, and I'm not exaggerating, in the 90s, 90%, the dropout of Western wow. students was super high because we, so intense. we were doing the equivalent of 25 credit hours. 25, I don't know if you guys, we have 18 in America is the maximum. Okay. You're allowed to do 18 hours, right? We had 25 credit hours every single semester. Wow. We had nonstop every year. And all of these are classical. Uh, we had on average 14, 15 different professors every semester. 14, 15 different professors. I did the old curriculum. That's all changed now. It's all watered down. I got the old curriculum, which was like made back in the 60s, 70s, like the hardcore curriculum. We were yeah. the last batches to get that, right? So yeah. it's overwhelming. And, you know, you just have to memorize massive amounts of stuff in every single field that you're doing. So to graduate and then to graduate with high grades is almost unheard of amongst the Westerners. Alhamdulillah, I managed to do that. Love. You know, top, you know, imtiaz, uh, they call it like A grade, whatever. And then Alhamdulillah, you know, apply for the, the, the graduate program. Alhamdulillah, one of the first Westerners to get in. I would have been the first Westerner ever to actually um, finish a PhD uh, if I had continued. SubhanAllah. But after my master's, during my master's phase, 9-11 happened. And that's another turning wow. point for me. Okay, so... Uh, Before we touch okay, on that, sure, I sure. just want to know what happened with dad. You didn't tell him ah, and yes. mom and dad. I would really like to know what happened there. So at this stage, I can say, because they're the proudest parents in the world, alhamdulillah. Like my, my father is now 80, 88. Um, you know, make dua. He's, Allah you know, like in, you know, you know life. health issues. Yeah, Allah stuff, Allah but Allah they're Allah. living with me now. My parents Allah are living Allah. with me, alhamdulillah. Allah they, he can't live on his own. I was Allah living Allah. with us, alhamdulillah. Uh, but I don't mind saying this now because now they're the proudest parents. But I'll be honest, and again, this is for, for people to understand. They were they wanted me to obviously be a good Muslim, but they didn't want me to give up my studies mm. and to go overseas mm. and to become like a yeah. give up fun, livelihood. fundamentalist. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's been like, brainwashed. Where's yeah, it going? Exactly. One way ticket. <laughs> yeah, it's like, exactly. Yeah. Because you gave you so, gave up your livelihood. Everything. You gave up your education. Everything. Yeah. And, and you everything. were living in America. So the, the land <laughs> the land of opportunity. That's exa- So they weren't 
You're going backwards. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I want people to say that because they need to know. Like, sometimes you really have to do awkward decisions, you know, if you really are certain that this is the right thing to do. They weren't happy. They didn't, they couldn't stop me because I'm an adult now, you know. Actually, my father did say to me, like when I was um, two years before that, I wanted to, I, I did bring up the idea with him, right? That's how I knew. Like, And my father flat out said, no, you cannot go. Wow. When I was in the middle of the program. And he said, it's a very wise thing that he said, and I appreciate what he said, and thank him for this. He goes, my responsibility is for you to be able to stand on your feet. Wow. When you can stand on your feet, you make your own decisions. Allah so Allah. you have to graduate, then you do what you want to do. Good advice. Wallahi, really good advice. At, the time, at the time, I was so angry at him. But alhamdulillah, Allah blessed me with a wise father. Alhamdulillah. Because I can always say, I didn't give up engineering. I didn't stop midway and just, yeah. no. I finished, I worked, I know what it is, and then I chose I want to It's amazing how many brothers have the epiphany where they want to change, you know. Mm. Hello, we had Dr. Hamar here mm. where he was studying completely. What was he studying? He was studying, he was studying, uh, studying uh, accounting. Yeah, so he, his dad wanted to do an accounting. <laughs> so he yeah. left that. He's, he wanted to leave it, but yeah. he finished it, yeah, got he, the credits, yeah. and went into doctor. Same thing I did here, yeah. Exactly. SubhanAllah. Yeah. So, but just that wisdom to yeah. say, finish that job. It's a wise. I understand. Yeah, I understand that you don't want to. Yep. Exactly. And this was happening at a lot of, and what we're seeing today is they get to the second or third year and say, I don't complete it. It's not me. I don't know. Forget no, no, about no. it. And, and they completely drop everything. So what it does, you know, like listening to my father and finishing the degree, even to this day, like even when you introduce, you say, oh, he's got a degree in engineering. And it automatically shows that this, this person is not somebody who gave up. He couldn't do it. Yes. And also, by the way, I mean, there's also training that you do as an engineer. I mean, your brain thinks differently. Yes. yes. You finished a discipline. You've mastered it. Forever. I mean, it's always Never made me. Yeah, Never you cannot. You cannot. So the education itself shapes your mind. It's not a waste at all. So I never, ever tell any person to just give up their degree and go study Islam. No, whatever program they're in, finish it up and then make a decision what you want to do with the rest of your life. So you yeah. finished it and then you went to dad and said, I'm going? Yeah, I literally, I, there, I have to be honest, <laughs> at that stage, it was not a question. <laughs> it was basically an How old you were not 18, you said, not 20. 20. 20. Feisty age. Yeah, I, you know, I, I regret at that stage, you know, some of the attitudes I had, may Allah forgive me, but you know, as a teenager, you know, I hope yeah. I made up to my father and mother since then. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, alhamdulillah, nothing, nothing drastic, but yeah, you know, yes. you're just a little bit yes. yeah. curt, <laughs> a little bit blunt. Yes, yes. As a teenager, yes. it is what it is. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I thought I knew better. And you know what? I mean, your elders always have more wisdom about life than you. Yeah, I mean, 100%. No matter, wallahi, you can have every PhD you want. They've lived life double, triple you. How can, I mean, you, how I mean, can I mean, they not know I mean, life I mean, better I mean. than you? And right? now you do a lot of shura now? When it comes to decisions, do you so my father's not able to write now oh, mentally. He's like, okay. yeah, he's not okay. able to. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, throughout my in my in my later on in life, in the, when late twenties, early thirties, yes, even I made much with him about leaving, coming back to the PhD. So mashallah. you actually appreciate the wisdom of your elders mashallah. when you become a little bit older. Yeah, mashallah, yeah. So yeah, definitely later on in my life, uh, I benefited a lot from you know. The, so alhamdulillah, now you're back in Texas. You're back in Texas. Back in Texas. Mom I'm and dad there. Yeah, so my parents are now living with me. Uh, but I'm saying when you came back from Medina, mom and dad were in Texas? Yeah, so they were in Texas. I got accepted to a PhD in Connecticut, in Yale. Oh, wow. So I, I was living in Connecticut. They were in, in Texas. So it was, okay. a, it was a, uh, so you kept on studying. After 10 years, you still stayed within the study world. Yeah, I have to do a, a PhD. Wow. So I realized in Medina that um, I, I'm not, at some point, I don't even know exactly, I don't think there's one day, but it, just over time, I realized 
I'm not going to go back to engineering. Hmm. I mean, especially when I get into the master's and yes. MA in, in theology, then I realized, you know what? I I have to, you know, this is going to be my, my, my field, but I don't know what I'm going to do. And one thing... In 9-11 happened, right? And so when 9-11 happened... I guess through that, yes. Yeah. So now you're, you're, you're back 9/11 here, 9-11 happened. happened. Well, I was in Medina when 9-11 happened. That's what Ooh, was my... Because wow. 9-11 happened, I was doing my master's. And at that point in time, my goal, my, 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 my vision was that I was going to finish my PhD from Medina. And it was my dream now to be like the first Westerner to get any PhD from any... University in that oh, region, Islamic oh. studies, I would have been like the first, you know, 15 years, you know, yeah. in Medina of 20 years. But then 9-11 happened. And to me, it was literally, and everybody says this in America, it was a, a changing moment. For me, it was a life changing. Like within a few days or weeks, I realized I have a different role. And the role is what? Like seeing the reaction in America, seeing the disintegration of civil society almost, you know? Yes, so seeing well, the Islamophobia. I don't know if you're... Yeah, yeah, oh, yes. yeah, oh, yeah. I'm old enough to remember this, right? <laughs> yes, I mean, yes. I'm in Medina. I saw, I mean, I didn't have a TV at home because at the time I'm a fundamentalist. I'm like hardcore, you know, like a different person at the time. I didn't have a TV at home. <laughs> so my neighbor came running, knocking on the door saying, yeah, 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 yeah. And there's a, something happening in America. You better go see. It's a massive thing. Wow. So I knocked on another neighbor's depart, uh, uh, um, uh, door, walked into his house, and there's, and then I saw the second tower fall. Allah, wow. You know, so I'm seeing all of this like jaw-dropping. Wow. What yeah. is going we, on? We never figured that you day too. It's, yeah. it's embedded in your... It's, and I was it, in the world Medina changed. The, the world time. changed. Yeah, I was in Medina at the time. Wow. And within a few weeks, and then the war on terror and Islamophobia, Bin Laden, this and that. What the heck? And then I realized... <laughs> SubhanAllah. I need to be there. Mm. I need to, and here's the irony. I know it sounds really dangerous, but you will understand. I understood both sides of mm. the Atlantic. If you get what I'm trying yes, to say, yes. you know what I'm saying? Yes. I understood, not that I sympathize, astaghfirullah. No, I understood. Yes. 100%. Yes. I understood why and why. Yes. And I empathized at some level with the fear and the anger. Yes. yes. At some level, even though, of course, yes. I'm going to make the disclaimer, I, 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 we're I, I, against terrorism completely, against 100%, 100%. killing. But I empathize why people are angry, and I empathize why people are scared. And then I realized, I need to be building bridges right now. Yeah, Allah Akbar. I need to go back, and my my community is in dire need. By my community, I mean both the Muslims of America and the broader American. And here's the irony of ironies. I never felt more American than I did after 9-11. Allahu Akbar. Can you understand why? Yes, like, yes, yes. I can help my peoples. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah 100%. <laughs> I, I can, they, they don't understand. Yeah, you right? are the conjure. You are the. Yeah, I, they don't understand. Because they come hand in hand. You bring and, an American, you bring a Muslim. Exactly. I, I can explain to them that they don't have to go berserk in this regard. Why not? So I felt like I need to go back. Wow. Even though I'm going back every year as a vacation, but no, I need to go back permanently. Wow. And so I made the decision then that I'm going to finish my master's and return to America. Mm. But then the issue come, what am I gonna do in America? And I realized yeah. that if I don't start a PhD immediately, I'm never gonna do a PhD. Mm. Because I'm gonna get busy in risk and money and yes. job Bogged and whatnot. Down. Yeah. Bogged down. So I'm gonna have to sacrifice money again. Again. Again and again, I'm delaying money. Because you know, I mean, we're a young men, but I know, I realized if I were to take a job as any, firstly, one thing my dad ingrained in me, don't ever just become an imam of a masjid. Yeah. And I, I agreed with this, you know, nothing against that. I just, that's not me. So I thought, well, then well, I'll, do, I'll become a professor of Islamic studies. I get a job as a professor. That was one flirting of the mind. Nice. Let me do this. Yeah. Okay. Let me just do a PhD in Islamic studies. I didn't know the world of Western academia at all. 
I had no idea what I'm getting into. Completely, you know, like I mean So you walked in blind. I had to I had to do a little bit of research. I walked in, so I said I do a lot of research. I did choose the universities I wanted to apply to. I read enough to really know that this is a different world. But because I've never studied with one of these types of mm, people, mm, I didn't yes. quite grasp their different paradigm fully. But I know it's a very different paradigm of Islam. And I've read enough to realize, okay. And then I, I, I had a bit of a, a bit of a cockiness, halal cockiness. What can they throw at me? I've done 10 years of Medina, man. Subhanallah. I can, I can master this tradition. What, what are they possibly going to do? You know? <laughs> and it was a humbling experience because the Western world has a very different, you know, in Arabic usul, in English epistemology. Mm. And we have to be fair enough to say, it's neither good nor bad inherently, it's a different worldview. They're looking at this from a secular discipline. Mm. So from their worldview, they're mm. looking at things in a different way. There's some good in it and there's some bad in it. Mm. And so if you can maximize the good and overcome the bad, you can actually benefit immensely. And if you fall prey to the bad, then it could possibly corrupt you. Mm. So I'm not anti-studying in the West at all. But I'm saying know what you're getting into. And I've given mm. other talks online. You'll find them out the difference Shall between madrasa and the academy. Know, so, know, know your foundation. Know your foundation. Know your foundation you want, exactly, before yeah. you tread on those. Know your foundation. Yeah. Because a lot of people tread on those it's different waters. soil. That's what yeah. it is. Very it's different, different soil. Very different questions. Very different epistemology. Very different tool set. Right. So um, uh, alhamdulillah, Allah blessed me to get accepted to one of the most you know prestigious universities and programs in the world. You know, um, the Yale University, which is one of the Ivy Leagues, one of the most you know well known. Did that build your networks there? Definitely, without a doubt. And again, all of this is Allah's qadr. In hindsight, again, there is no, I mean, it is a mini miracle that I got accepted because the academy is well known to be extremely Islamophobic, believe it or not, especially Islamic studies, i.e., generally speaking, they don't want religious people to come in Islamic studies. Now, you can dismiss it as being, you know, racist, but, and I'm not sympathizing, but I understand why, because they feel your epistemology is not in line with theirs yes, hmm. and it's just going to clash. And actually, there's an element of truth in this. Yes, yes. we were subhanAllah, Melbourne Uni there's, was talking about yeah. one of the head deans was a, was a Jew. Yeah. There's an teaching, element of teaching, yeah. teaching Islamic studies. Yeah, so the usul that we're coming with as faith believers, it's going to be constantly clashing yeah. with theirs. And I'm sure they've had experiences with other students like this is just not worth it. Yeah. So generally speaking, wow. so, so I apply to some of the top programs in the world, right? Um, and subhanAllah, I'm not trying to brag or boast, but I have 10 years in Medina. I have a chemical engineering. I got top-notch scores in the uh, graduate program. There's a GRE program, the top-notch scores. How could you possibly turn an American down with all of these credentials? Some of the top universities, including Harvard, and did not even interview me. Like Allah. that level yeah, of racism. Wow. Even though it's not just racism, I can understand why. Like in their minds, you're a sheikh. You're a Molana Imam. Yeah. They don't want some some religious yeah. fundamentalist yeah. guy. We don't yeah. want somebody with already foundation. Yeah, they, they don't want because in th their mind view, you're just going to be clashing, right? Yeah. Mm. It just so happened, Allah's qadr, that my advisor was actually was actually a Jesuit priest. Wow. He was a priest. So he was a religious person in his own life, and he didn't mind religion. Mm. So he interviewed me. And, you know, I know what to say. I know what to, the conversations to have. I'm not, I understand what is, I made it clear to him that I know I'm walking in and I don't, I don't expect to bring my 
paradigm onto yours. I want to learn and benefit and, and see what, what you have to offer, you know? So he took a risk, you know? He really did. He took a risk on me. And he later told me this, like, I, I took a risk on you. Because he didn't know what I'd be, because you know, you're going to cause problems. You're going to be refuting it. You have to, you have to just absorb. And, and one of my teachers, by the way, that I admire immensely, um, he said the same thing to me. It's like, you need to go and just study. Study their paradigm so that you master the religion so that you can defend it better. He literally oh, told me, this. like, you just have to study yeah, what they're saying. You can't, you can't play the games without the rules. Exactly. So you're coming exactly. into a new game exactly. with new rules. You can't, you can't use your rules in their, in their game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, so one of my senior shiuch that I really oh, respect wow. and admire, because I was worried when I was going uh, to do the PhD, I was worried, is this even jaiz? I, I, from an Islamic perspective, wow. because I was worried ethically and morally. They're going to say things about the Quran, about Allah and His Messenger that I don't agree with. And sometimes I'm not going to be able to defend because that's their paradigm. Mm. And my, my teacher told me, what is your niyyah? Mm. Are you doing this astaghfirullah to just regurgitate or are you doing it to defend? I said, no, of course, Sheikh, it's to defend Islam. It's to protect Islam. It goes, okay. Mm. So you're learning so mm. that you see what they're saying. Allahu then Allah. you are better qualified to protect your religion Allahu and to intellectually defend. Because you know their rules. Yeah. So I have no, no qualm saying I was humbled by my time at Yale. I understood that their paradigm is not dismissive at all. Actually, it has its own epistemology. It's not a matter of right and wrong. Yes. It's just they have a different worldview. Wow. And I think it's self-evident and obvious that I've changed immensely because of that. Now, yes. obviously, with my critics, they think I've been corrupted and whatnot. That's their perspective. And I, I, I give them, that's their, your paradigm. From your paradigm, it's a yeah. corruption. I let Allah be the judge in the akhir and in this world, yeah, Allah's yeah. believers are... How, how do you deal with that pressure? How do you deal with with that... The constant barrage. The constant, you know, as we say, the keyboard yeah. warriors and the missiles coming at you. Yeah, like, you know, obviously you being yeah. an influential person in the US, you know, like, you know, you, the, the stories of Malcolm X, you know, they, they bombed their house yeah. and they do these so things. there's multiple levels to deal with. First and foremost, I have to just take a step back and say that I do have a genuine sense of sadness at the innocent Muslim bystanders who have to witness this type of drama. As Allah is my witness, it hurts me that innocent Muslims become confused. Yes, 100%. That they just don't understand what's going on. Yeah. And the am, the am, the am, it just, the am yeah. Because there's no depth. There's no, it, it, it hurts me and I wish I could save them from that pain. To me, that's the biggest thing, that somebody's just benefiting from generic lectures. And then he sees a video, oh, this guy is this and that, and be careful. And Miskeen doesn't know any better. Yeah. It's like, what do I do now? I believe it. I want you to know? put this on. SubhanAllah, we've told a couple of friends, close friends, that you're coming on the podcast. And they said, oh, be wary, be. And they sent me some stuff. Like I'm like, are you that naive? Snippets of lectures of hours and things taken out of context. Like, are you serious? What, what happened to our community where, you know, SubhanAllah, we say this at the retreat all the time. If I had a million dollars and I want to invest, I'd do so much homework, mm. so much due diligence before I invested that million dollars. Yeah. But when it comes to our deen, it's just no, no homework, no, no. It's everything goes. It's everything like goes. Scalper. It's amazing. And our deen is more valuable than that million dollars. So, Khair, I mean, so like I said, I, like, I, I, like I, I find we, it. We, yeah. we, we, subhanAllah, yeah. we, were, we were privileged to have you here to tell your story and really get to know you, Allah. We appreciate yeah. We appreciate hey, we, we know, We know that, we know. Like, we, subhanAllah, we've had, alhamdulillah, so many guests that talk about 
like you know, as we had the previous sister that was here, and you know, she, judgment. She, the, the people that judge the judgment they make of her, and she yeah. said, Subhanallah. She goes, she goes, she goes. I get attacked from two angles, and one angle is a lot more painful. She goes, the angle from the Muslims. She yeah, goes, I expect it from the non-Muslims, but <laughs> when the Muslims hit you right in the heart and look at you know yeah. the weakness, like right the weakest point, you know. Yeah, it's, like I said, it does. It does. I am a human being. Um, there's no shame in admitting that. There's no doubt that these types of attacks, they, they are painful on many levels. Of them is the pain that I, f- I feel for the average Muslim. Allah. I genuinely feel hurt that they are confused. And I don't want them to feel confused. And of them, I feel empathy for some of these sincere critics that they are sincere. Wallahi, many of them, I don't doubt their sincerity. And they think they're defending the religion but it it there's there's an element of rashness and not tolerating a spectrum of opinion mm-hmm. like i feel sorry that can you not at least allow other people every opinion that i have i'll quote you far bigger ulama that have said it i'm nobody in the grand scale of things i don't have a single opinion that who is sheikh yasir qadi to have an independent opinion i have a position in fiqh or in aqidah or in something and i can quote you far bigger mujtahideen just because you haven't heard of Sheikh Fulan or Sheikh Fal-Alan and you hear it from me for the first time and you've never heard it before, then to make such a big scenario, I think this is, I worry for the future when there's such a level of intolerance. Yeah. Our ummah has always had a spectrum of opinion, right? Always. And subhanAllah, in the grand scale of things, the positions I hold that our brothers might disagree with, they're within mainstream Sunnism, man. Not even like extreme here and there. Mainstream. We have to deal with secularism, with LGBT, with this, with that. And alhamdulillah, I'm doing strong work in all of these fields, right? Alhamdulillah. Now, if you disagree with these small issues, come, yaqi, talk to me. Pull me aside. Let's talk. But it causes drama in the community which yeah, 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 I think yeah. is not helpful and that's a split it's it, it just that yeah. it causes a divide somebody will take the left and the right and, and that's what kills us yeah. that's yeah, what kills I, us it, and it kills our strength but you know khair, it, I don't doubt some of their sincerities those that are sincere inshallah Allah will forgive them no problem they, I have no grudge against them I just ask them to study a little bit more and to ask the, the real people of ilm uh, who are maybe outside of just their one comfort zone because yeah. we've yeah. always had so many different strands within. Even the Sahaba had a spectrum of opinion. Yes, you I know? agree. And, I agree. and if you look around you even now, how many movements are there? So I've been through this phase. And I think one of the reasons why perhaps, perhaps, I get a little bit more angry than others is because one group feels betrayed that I've left their movement and moved on from it. You know, mm. 20 years ago, I was the same type of mentality, my way or the highway. Mm. I was the same mentality. Allah that this is the only correct version of Islam. <laughs> Allahu Akbar. Right. So, Allah, the, the previous case is the same thing. Yeah. Because they said that's the, only that. That was the hard line. 20, that's it, that's nothing how else. I was 20 years ago. Allahu Akbar. A lot of people say Yale corrupted me. No, Wallahi, you know what changed my mind? Being involved with the Muslim community. Allahu Akbar. Being in the ditches with the grassroots. Being, seeing the Muslims. Sheikh Muhammad Abdullah as well. We had Sheikh Muhammad Abdullah from, from Brisbane. From, uh, from, from, from Allahu Akbar, he, he was saying same the same thing. thing. Just when you're involved with the average Muslim, 
you realize, my God, I'm splitting hairs in my halaqa over things these guys don't even know about. Allah. They're not even praying five times a day and Allah. I'm debating where should I place the hand or whatever issue it might be. <laughs> I'm saying, like I'm making a big deal, 20th Atrakatrawi, the moon sighting, this and that. And your average Muslim is wondering about basic issues, Allah right? So the world that we live in now, right? I have become a very different person. I see good in every mainstream strand of Islam. Allah right. You take the good and whatever you disagree with, yeah. if you need to discuss it, do it on the side in a language and a manner that is conducive for this issue. Yeah. But I am adamant that every mainstream movement, the good in it is more than anything that you disagree amen, with. Amen. Amen. Every mainstream, so, Sheikh and Alim, right? How can a mainstream alim be astaghfirullah, a source of evil when his followers are all praying five times a day, wanting to love Allah and his messenger? You know, there are signs that you see in the da'wah of a sheikh, right? You look at the, the students, you look at the da'wah of this person. And if you find that the people listening to this person, they're interested in Islam, they want to come closer, their iman is strong, then even if I disagree with sheikh so-and-so's opinion, I'm not going to be that foolish to warn against him when he's got millions of followers who are inspired to come close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? Who am I to then come between him and that? So I, I disagree yeah. with this tactic. And I yeah. ask these brothers to think of the wisest tactic, even yeah. if, and I'm, I'm a human being, and I preach and teach about all subjects. Allah There's Allah. no doubt I have mistakes. I'm not a prophet. I'm not an angel. There's Allah. no doubt I'm a mistake. My Allah. only ask, inshallah, is the good I'm doing in bringing people closer to the religion more than these mistakes you disagree with. Yeah. I hope you would say, inshallah, yeah. that's my goal as well, inshallah. It's more. We, all, we all make mistakes. We and all it's make amazing. mistakes. It's yeah. amazing. It's amazing. Uh, that's something we do uh, with the retreat. Yeah, we, do, we do this retreat. We do like two times two, two times because, four. Because da, 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 like da. you said, it's either, you know, they're here or here. Like even, even at the retreat, you've got the women, they're feminists. Uh, we, we deserve our rights. And you've got the other guys that are using Andrew Tate as their lead. It's like, <laughs> when did we become this? Binary. We come over right, here. Yeah. Come yeah. over here. We're in the middle. The Islam's in the middle. So subhanAllah. Yeah, and, and we have to. We have to. Like, we have to and this is why we do this podcast to open the horizon. Because yeah. I think a lot of us, every one of us, we have the blinkers on. SubhanAllah. I've got a story to tell on that. SubhanAllah. At the age of 22, I was very, very similar to yourself. My way or the highway. I went home. Mum, haram, halal. Ba, ba. And then my beard started growing. And I wasn't married yet. Mum comes up to me. She goes, son. Light in the beard. No one's going to take you that way. And I'm like, Mom, it's a sunnah. It's a farad. I need to do it. How can you ask me something like that? And then I went to my dad. I let Hamul before, you know, after he's passed away. But yeah, my dad, dad, mom's asking me to take my beard off. And he said to me, listen to your mom. I'm like, dad, are you sure? He said, yes. I said, okay. He goes, heaven Now, now my, my biggest challenge was what? Going back to those brothers that are, what are they going to think? He's gone backwards. He's lost a dean. He's lost his life. So I said, okay, I'm going to do what mom and dad want. And the only realization that, that this, this was an epiphany for me was when I was about to shave the beard. Because all my concern was that when I shaved that beard was, what's this guy going to say? What's that going to say? Where was Allah and his Rasul? Nowhere to be seen. Mm. That's when I knew moving forward from that day on, I will only do things for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's sake. Mm. And my intention will be that. And this is the biggest problem in our community. We tend to do things for people mm. and do for, for, for the public for opinion. For the public opinion, and we forget Allah and His Rasul. Mm. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. And, 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 I just wanted to share that because yeah, we've, we've all gone through these challenges and growth yeah. where we understand 
They're still yeah. stuck in that world still. They haven't moved on, inshallah. May Allah yeah, open so, all our hearts. May Allah so, open all our hearts, inshallah. The Muslim Ummah is going through so many crises right now. Why would you want to make an internal issue? We have to fight far bigger battles. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enlighten our Ummah and open their hearts and open their vision, inshallah. Family, how do they deal with that? How do they deal with that struggle? So, believe it or not, it's very hard on my mother especially. My mother, my wife doesn't care anymore about these things. She's like, whatever. <laughs> you know, wife and husband, alhamdulillah, my Allah has blessed me with, my, I call her my Khadija. You know, Allah. she's my, been my supporter from day one. Allah Behind every great she's, man is a great woman. Wallahi, akhi, that is so true. I could not be who I am doing what I do without my better half. Wallahi, Allah. that is so okay, true. Please, we need so, to know. Alhamdulillah. We need to know some feedback on that. So, well, a lot of, no, Allah, it's amazing. And I, I'd love for you to share that because... Mm. There are so many brothers that we we need to highlight how much our sisters do 100%. behind the scenes. Hundred you know, percent. Like so many brothers I that have. I tell my wife, you know, all the ajr that you think I'm getting, you're going to get the massive share of it. I couldn't do it without her. Her support, her determine, her taking care of all that she's doing, her letting me do what I do. Allah. And we have a successful alhamdulillah marriage, 27 years alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. So it's Allahumma like, it's, without her, I could not do what I'm doing. And as well. so I say, look, alhamdulillah, whatever I'm doing, you, you will get the objective. What, what would you say, what is a successful marriage? What would you say? Is yeah, like, give, like give us, I think yeah. not only successful, I, I'd love to know your take mm. there on like, how, how, what were the fundamentals and foundations that you set in that relationship so, that exactly. has caused Jayin. that? So, you know, a lot of brothers, when they get married, they are still under the Western illusion of what a marriage is like, mm. right? That a marriage for them is about just like the romance or the, you know, the, the physical beauty <laughs> yes, or whatnot. Yes, Allah. And we all know, especially older brothers, they know this, <laughs> yeah, that a real marriage is not skin deep. It's not yeah. based upon, it's based upon akhlaq. I mean. And it's based upon this woman is going to be the mother of your children, man. Yeah. I mean. You have to think beyond the honeymoon night, beyond the the the, the romance and the and the deep the the romantic conversations and the candlelight dinners and whatnot. You have to think about life partner. I mean. And so the most important thing is the compatibility of roles. Mm. What do you expect a man to do? What do you expect the husband and what do you expect the wife to do? The compatibility of roles, like yes. there, it's got to be a synergy. You're coming together for a greater purpose. That's the family. Right, I mean, far yeah. more important, you know, than than a few minutes of like candlelight conversation yeah, or, yes, or you know so. whatever. No, it's got to be the combining of visions that we're coming together to protect our family, to raise our children. Did you set that early you know? on? Is on your family? So we uh, obviously, I mean, in 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 the case of my wife and I, Subhanallah, and Allah blessed us and tested us that we got married and moved to Medina. So there was just the two of us. Was she wanting the knowledge growth as well as you? No, and this to me is a blessing in disguise, and I'll tell you why. She's mashallah, good lady, pious lady, prays Quran, everything. America, you know, uh, yeah, raised in America, uh, from India, but raised okay. in America, no, yes, yeah. yeah. like like us, basically, Sorry, yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So raised in America. Okay. Um, but so I'm saying this because me personally, a lot of people. I mean, again, it's different for different people. For me personally. The last thing I'd want when I go home after a long day of da'wah work is to have like a debate with my wife <laughs> over some fiqh issue or some methodological issue. Why did you say this in your life? Terrible. I had a stank. What about that perspective? Exactly. The last thing oh, I want oh, is oh, that. Oh. So actually, Allah blessed me with the pious lady 
who's not really interested in advanced ilm. Allahu Akbar. Just a good lady, good heart, you know, good Allah soul. Allah. What a great like, match. What a great perfect, match. But for me, it works Allah amazingly. Yeah. It's like, alhamdulillah, she supports me what I'm doing. And she doesn't care about the specific position I hold. Whatnot. She's not going to debate me. Oh, that sheikh said this. Where is it? Can you imagine if I had to deal with that at home? Right? <laughs> You're in trouble. <laughs> you might be double the, the scholar. Exactly. I know. It's like having to face outside on the masjid and then back home. So honestly, when I go home, it's a safe haven for because it's a safe space it's completely disconnected from Allah the Allah online Allah. and whatnot. Allah and Allah so Allah. for me this is Allah bless me my sanity is remains there. Allah. no matter how bad that becomes alhamdulillah you know Allah. Allah. now interesting enough now my kids are now young men young woman my eldest is 23 22 uh, married yet so not yet inshallah inshallah um, I haven't got any so, daughters, so. <laughs> so interesting enough, my son is now willing to debate with me. Allah. So he's getting to that phase. No. Why did you say this like that? So he's getting to that so phase. Allah. I'm having some good conversations. Like, oh God, seriously? I gotta get him yeah, married. No, exactly. Get him married. Exactly. You'll learn. No, he'll learn. Exactly. You know, I just find this interesting. Okay, because now for for 20 years I didn't have to worry about family issues. Now so the eldest are now getting this. That's it. So you did you set some foundational uh, roles as you're saying in regards to your relationship earlier on like was there a contract or was things? that something or was this grew? something that just was it grew organically organic yeah it grew organically alhamdulillah so I knew my wife from university by the way alhamdulillah so we knew each other and we w- did want to get married MSA uh, MSA yeah we did want to <laughs> get married yeah. brothers but, brothers but, uh, let, MSA, let me look yeah. into the camera now <laughs> brothers <laughs> MSAs MSA. look into your S- oh, listen, it's amazing how many this, brothers and sisters are listen I say this bluntly I don't care what the elders say we need to understand we want our college kids to like one another in halal manner and then get married. I mean, because that's the only way they're going to get married. How else are they going to see each other? When are they going to get We don't want them to find somebody outside the faith, do we? We don't want them to fall in love on work or something. No, we don't. Yani, we have to get rid of this old school mentality of hardcore, yani, segregate. I'm sorry, I'm against this at a marriage age. Of course, when you're 15, 16, yeah. But once you become a young adult, right, in a halal environment, you must meet your spouse, spouse and partner. Yeah. Pa, I want to tell you a story about that. Allah, we yeah. used to do only men for the our retreat. retreats. Yeah, mm. we, we, Alhamdulillah, as a committee mm. that we're part of, we've done Alhamdulillah eight um, retreats yeah. so far. Um, how many? Eight retreats, Alhamdulillah. Mashallah. Mm. So we've done eight retreats, but our first three were men, men only. only, and the amount of headaches we copped from women saying, "Brother, uh, yeah, what, yeah. About what about us? You know, rah, rah, rah. Look, what about give us an opportunity? We want to learn leadership." You know, le- the leadership yes. should be given to our sisters, rah, rah. And then we got our sister to she, be involved. Our sister, so which is our younger sister. The female program. Yeah. She's a HR director, works mm. for GE, very successful, mashallah, lives in the UAE. So we brought her over and she, she was supposed to run the female section. And that was our first year. And you can imagine first year running mm. male, female, trying to keep it as halal as possible. Segregation. Segregation. It was, to say the least, hard work. Mm. Very. And me and the committee said, this, we're never doing this again. Yeah. Until a profound situation happened to us. Two sisters came up to us and started crying. Thank you for doing this. We appreciate everything. She said, it's amazing that the Muslim brothers at uni treat us like plague. Salaam alaikum, sister. And, they, and the only people that give us attention are the non-Muslims. Yeah. But when it comes to the vice versa, the Muslim yeah. brothers, they talk to the non-Muslims like they're best friends. Yeah. And we said to ourselves, by Allah... 
We'll keep it going. Yeah, it's, it it's important yeah. in a halal ambiance. Halal, exactly. They interact with one exactly. another so that they can find a spouse and get exactly. married, inshallah. And, and that, our aim isn't for them to find a spouse there. No. But our aim there is to, for them to learn how to interact. And stop We're, seeing each other as men. The men look at them exactly. as meat. We don't want that. Yeah, so that's the thing. And I think a lot of our brothers and sisters are lacking that interaction, that earlier on interaction in the halal way. Yeah. And the MSAs do that because the Shama, brothers and sisters do. are working for they're the deen. They're more active than They're getting men. active. Yeah. They're going to see each other. They're not going to be thinking thinking of each other that way, but they're brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. Yes. We see each other as a brother and a sister. Now, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts in the heart and then we, exactly. we think yeah. of that, we go to their parents. Halal we way. do the halal way. We do the right thing. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts barak in that. 100% agreed. And, and, and subhanAllah, and this is what we've done, alhamdulillah, as part of the committee that we do this. And with the retreat, because subhanAllah, like we've already had a marriage as part of the retreat. Uh, you know, a brother came from uh, Brisbane Married a sister that's from Melbourne, Spongy. and Subhanallah, we didn't even know about it. Like it was just something that happened afterwards. Yeah. Uh, he 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 called her parents. He found Spongy. out. He said uh, he, he called her and said, "Look, I'm interested." Talked to my parents. Mm. Ended up getting married. And Subhanallah, and this guy, like they've ever seen each other, they still had a long like discussion outside mm-hmm. from two different states. You know, and, and and Subhanallah, it's amazing how Allah Subhanahu wa Taala opens doors. But we need these platforms. We do for our brothers and sisters Especially to interact. In the West. And, and, and we did, in the West. and we did cop a lot of flack at the start about yeah. it. Like, no, we can't. Like, when we went out to say, can we have you know the mashayikh come to this retreat? They were saying, listen, brother, halal haram, you know, yeah, you know. How can you do that? How can you do that? And then we had a shukha come, and then when they came and saw that, they said, I wish I bought my wife. Mm. Subhanallah. Mm. So alhamdulillah, you know, there's, we're all doing different works. Like Subhanallah, in our own capacity. May Allah bless you. I mean, alhamdulillah. So we, you've taken us all the way now. When did the fame come in? <laughs> when did that kick in? When was that like? Uh, how was, was that? How, how, how did that happen? Where you started getting there's elevated? No one, there's no one time, is there? Like fame is something that gradually, gradually happens, you know. And so I started writing books. That was one of the ways I earned money in Medina. Oh wow! So I started publishing books and writing books and translating. How right? many books have you published? Oh, sir. Frankly, I've lost count. I mean, I think f- 17, 15. I've Inshallah. lost count because books, pamphlets. I mean, article. I mean, but uh, yeah, and translations as well. I have probably seventeen original books. I don't even know. I need to catch, wow. figure out one day. But yeah, because my first one was literally as an undergrad before getting married. I would just write little booklets. I don't even think they're on the market anymore. So they were published about... in Jeddah, in something called Darul Qasim publications, just little booklets and pamphlets. And uh, then I wrote a book about Riyadh, the hidden shirk, edited by Dr. Bell Phillips. And then I wrote the Introduction to Science of the Quran. I have a nice thick book, 1997 or so. It's just I've been writing wow. like all of these books like that. So um, my name started to become known because of these books. Those when, that, when when was that moment that you noticed? Oh wow, I'm getting to get to be known. Was there a point we said, "Oh, shivers"? I'm, I'm. Honestly, there's no one moment per se. But I remember maybe like. 10 years ago or something, uh, I mean, landed in London and um, the uh, the customs agent recognized me more than 10, 10, 15, 15 years ago. The customs agent at the airport oh, wow. recognized me, you know, and that was like, wow, okay, this is um, this is now getting to be known now. Um, but I mean, the thing with uh, my popularity or fame is that it really has been incremental within the Muslim community. So there's no like one point that it has just... Change, but I think like the Sira lectures in particular. Inshallah. Yeah, mashallah. Amazing yeah, that, is, that, amazing. that has has made it exponential. Some, like, some people have like been watching that for a couple like, of years. Yeah, You've yeah. been doing it how many? Two years you did, didn't you? Uh, uh, so it's been it's been out for more than ten years. The first yeah. one, I think it was is finished like more than ten years ago. Now the book has come out as well. Mashallah. You know, so Alhamdulillah, it's been a long time. It have over a hundred episodes, but 
Allah has blessed that with an acceptance يعني, that uh, I never could have imagined. We didn't, I, again, no idea this is going to happen. Uh, it was done in my masjid in Memphis. We didn't even realize it's going to be you know, seen by millions of people now, translated into so many languages. So yeah, I mean, there's no one moment that is just like, um, no, there's no, it's just incremental bit by bit. And anyway, Allah, Allah grant ikhlas is the main thing. So subhanAllah, it's just, you haven't stopped. Like do you have you just keep yeah, on going, going, going. Have you ever wanted to give up? I always feel like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like again. It's a because you're an introvert. You, you yeah, I, like even at some that, level. It, yeah, so, you know so. when I'm happiest, honestly, is when I'm in a library reading a book. I just I'm happy, you know. But I I have a responsibility, and I I love teaching. I love inspiring people. Inshallah. I don't love the fame that comes with it. Allah, I don't like it. And, I, and I've said this many times I'm not trying to be rude to people I don't like the selfies I don't like the paparazzi I don't like it And I think it feeds into um, You know I'm always reminded of an incident In the life of Umar al-Khattab Radiallahu anhu When, uh, when uh, he saw uh, Ibn Mas'ud You know following, uh, Followed by an entourage Like all of his students yeah. around him And whatnot, right And Umar radiallahu Just basically smacked him And he was like What did I do? <laughs> Because Umar was like that all the yeah, He goes, what is this is? It is a fitna for the tabi and the matbu. It's a fitna for the ones following and it's a fitna for you. Allah. It's a fitna for you and for them. It is, it is. And it's a huge problem because <laughs> what we've seen, may Allah protect us all, but when you raise somebody above their level, above their, put them on a pedestal, subhanAllah, it's a huge problem. It is a responsibility. Yeah. We don't, des- I don't deserve this fame because when a scholar slips or messes up, it might affect Takes so it, many people. And we've seen it, this in the last few years of the internal issues of the mini or the major scandals that happen. Yes. May Allah protect all of us. I but mean, I mean. scholars are human too. They're fallible. Yes. You know, and there have been people around the world. Things have happened here and there. And I it's mean. affected people's iman. I mean, yes. It's affected people's yeah. iman. And that's a problem. Shaitan's attacking. You cannot link your iman to a human being other than the Prophet. That's the Amen. one person you must link your iman to. Amen. Everybody Amen. else, especially living people, man, we're all fallible. <laughs> we're all fallible. Yeah. So it's a fitna. It is. It for is. them, Allah. and it's a fitna. In the end of the day, I'm a human. Amen. And I don't like yeah. this attention and whatnot. Allah. So it's not something you strive and create for. Is, is, there, is there a time, like, you know, know some brothers, mashallah, that are quick, extremely famous that have come up has there been a time for you that you felt like this imposter syndrome where you're thinking, I'm not worthy of this? There's not been any one time. That is my life. Wow. That is how I feel all the time. No, There's not no. any one time. Allah. I don't deserve any of this. No. I never intended it. I never aimed for it. This is not something that was on the agenda ever. And Allah. it should not be on anybody's agenda, to be brutally honest. It no. should not be on a spiritual level. How do you you get- don't aim for religious fame. A'udhu billah, a'udhu billah. It's a fitna. Wallahi, it's a fitna. And I still don't, I mean, it's a fitna for me after always, but I mean, and I don't like it. I really don't like it. And then it creates problems on multiple levels. So the critics, and I have plenty of them, find plenty to criticize. Look at these celebrity scholars is the term that they use, right? Now, I didn't intend to be who I am. So, uh, you know, um, uh, what do I do when an innocent Muslim comes and says, Sheikh, can I pose for your selfie or whatnot? I was sitting with, uh, I don't mind mentioning the name here because he's one of your guys, Sheikh Yahya Ibrahim in Perth. Yes. You know him? Yes, Ibrahim. The yeah. No, no, Sheikh yeah. Yahya Ibrahim. Yeah. Yahya Ibrahim, yes. Yeah. I was sitting with him in Mecca uh, and uh, somebody came 
uh, with his uh, son and said, she has left post for me, whatnot. I said, it was so excited to see me. And I said, I'm sorry, I don't want to take any pictures. And their whole face is just deflated. Mm. And they walked away. Sheikh Yahya turned to me and he's like screaming at me. Yahya said, what's wrong with you? So what do you mean? I don't like the fame. I don't like... Because that's between you and Allah. These people, their iman is strengthened when they meet people like you. Even if you don't deserve it, their iman is strengthened. Nein, nein, you nein. have to sacrifice your you know, um, uh, <laughs> embarrassment, <laughs> your awkward, that's between, that's your, your, your jihad, whatever. Amen, amen, amen. You have to, for their <laughs> it's sake. A, it's a tough, you it know, is, And he is. just like, smacked me down like that. Like, and you know, <laughs> I, I, realized, I realized he's right. Yeah, I have no alternative when somebody comes up and they're full of iman and happiness and whatnot. I don't deserve it, but they don't deserve for me to cut them off. Mm. And yes, so here's Allah, the point. Allah, what do I do Allah, when Allah, when they Allah, come with Allah, all Allah, of Allah, this? Let's do this. <laughs> this guy is khatir, man. <laughs> he's we gotta get the selfie now. He's, he's terrible. This guy is khatir, man. You can't sign on the podcast. <laughs> I like that. I I love so it's like, but I give ammunition to the critics. Because every time that guy posts, oh, I took a selfie. Look, ah, look at these guys. They're desiring fame. Yeah, Allah, look at Allah. these. And then subhanAllah. And again, I want to be... I want to say something very awkward here because this is the problem I face. What if that person that comes up is a sister in America who doesn't wear the hijab? She's full of love of Allah and her messenger. She's listened to my entire seerah. She comes up, Sheikh, Sheikh, subhanAllah, your seerah did this and that. You know, can I take a picture? Allah. Now, if I say to her, I'm sorry, I don't take selfies with people like you. Akhlas, you lost it forever. Change that. I don't. I, I don't. Of I, now, by the way, for the record, of course she should be wearing hijab. Yeah. Just before the critic says, "Oh, look what he's saying." I have to be careful. I have to double guess everything that I say. Of course, hijab is obligatory. Of course, we want our sisters to wear. But at this stage, she's coming full of love for his messenger. So you see it, and it's happened to me multiple times, right? Mm. And you see the innocence and whatnot. And at this stage, if I just take a knife, astaghfirullah, and just poke that iman down. How do you think that himan is going to be affected? Allah. So should I worry about the critic who's already made up his mind that I'm a deviant celebrity scholar? Or should I try to salvage her iman yeah, and just give her some words of encouragement? Yeah, that's the dawah, that's and, the dawah. and I've decided to take a hit. I'm being honest here. Allah. The critics will criticize. Amen. I need to save her iman. I need yeah, to save the iman of the king. This is even though I don't deserve that, but they put me on that pedestal. I don't deserve to be there. But in their minds, you know, listening to me has linked them to love of the Prophet right? In their minds. Yes, yes. So then at this stage, I have to take on that, that, that responsibility, that, responsibility yeah, that, you know, yeah. and give her some words of encouragement yeah, and whatever yeah, possible. Yeah, yeah. And she listens to all my lectures. She knows Allah. my views about uh, yeah, women Allah. wearing hijab. It's not, I'm not very clear about this in the regard, you know. Yes. So it is what it is. And Allah, there's no, the point is there's no fast. winning. You have to, you yeah. have to look at the broader it's always picture. A two two, it's always it's a, a two-edged yeah. sword. It's always. And, and here's another reality. I'm not worthy of that. I know. But I'd much rather a 10-year-old kid look up to someone like me even though I'm not worthy of that, then some, you know, person who's in entertainment, mm. who's in doing haram stuff, who's, you know, no religious, <laughs> whatnot, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'd much rather a young boy or a young girl find inspiration, and I know I'm not worthy of it. Yeah, I'll be the first to say that. But what's the badil, the alternative? No. You're going to kick us all celebrities, yeah, scholars yeah, yeah. off. What's the alternative? I mean, so I mean. 
I agree with you, Wallahi, it's a fitna. And I have to, between myself and Allah, remind myself, lower my, and keep my ikhlas and make dua for ikhlas. But I also see there is a benefit. There's a need. In in certain Muslims being famous and role models. Even if we, and I know that I don't don't deserve that. It is what it is. Allah Allah it's a different world. It's a completely different world. I didn't walk into Allah, this. There's one thing I know is that Allah Subhanahu has not put us with more than we can bear. Ah, and mashallah, Allah Subhanahu has been grooming you for a long time to mm. be able to do this. May Allah protect hey, you. May Allah there's Allah. one thing I want to ask. What do you do to keep yourself grounded? So um, that's a very personal question. And I'll just say generically, generically, not about just any of myself, but one of the things that a person must do Every person, first and foremost, lots of private rituals. Like this is a necessary thing. Anybody who is successful in any field, not just fame, anybody who's successful in anything should have private rituals that nobody else knows about. Allah. Quran, dhikr, tahajjud, sadaqah, orphans. Nobody knows about this. There's got to be that. Number two, muhasabatun nafs. How? Like, remind yourself of your own sins. Remind yourself of your own sins. You know, a lot of times, <laughs> yani, you're asking a personal question, and again, the, the, I'm not. The, the issue comes. This is very circular because I'm, I'm not trying to stuffurullah self brag or self boast. I know myself in this regard, but a lot of times when somebody comes up to me and they'll like, I can see this admiration, and I recall something I'm the, I've done that I shouldn't have done. So that I humble myself. Mm, You know, one of the scholars of the past, he looked around, he saw all of the students surrounding him. All in awe. He said, if sins had a fragrance, none of you would be in my vicinity. If that's what one of the great imams of the past said, you know what I'm saying? I think Ibn al-Jawzi mentions this, that um, uh, Ibn al-Jawzi has a beautiful paragraph and he has a book called uh, Sayyid al-Khatir it's a beautiful book it's like a semi-autobiography Sayyid al-Khatir like his fleeting thoughts he wants to record them right there's a recording of fleeting thoughts Ibn al-Jawzi says one day I looked around and I saw thousands of students you know every word I'm saying they're they're, 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 there you know at all uh, at all like that and I felt something in my heart, like in something is, mm-hmm. and then I realized who I am. And then I prayed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that, oh Allah, even if I'm not worthy of your mercy, what not, but for their sake, they have respected me because of you, Allah. because of your deen. For their sake, forgive me. Allah. You know, I remember that beautiful paragraph that he has, like, you know, I might not be worthy of it, but Ya Rabb, these people have put me there, la ilaha not ilaha. because of me, but because I'm linking them to you and your deen, your other prophets Allah, and whatnot, you know. Allah, so man. for their sake, you know, even though I'm not yeah. worthy of it. So, so, so mashallah, like, uh, love, love the conversation. And I think, but just, just we got to take a little bit deeper, a little bit. We haven't <laughs> More <laughs> deeper than this, seriously? I thought you already sliced me over. It's like, a, it's like an autopsy already. <laughs> well, we, I really want to know, like, the, the, the darkest moment that you ever had. What is the, the hardest moment that you sort of given up and said, yeah, Allah, like you know, that's I put my uh, full uh, trust full, in you. Uh, like, like every one of us, I think, has had that moment where we've done everything we can, and we're under the onslaught or the attack, and mm. you say, "Ya Rabb, you know, I've done my best, and I don't know what to do." Has there been a moment in your life where you've just taken it there, and you think to yourself, "That's it. I have no more power. This, I've done everything I can, and mm. I'm leaving my my whole to you." 
Is there a moment so in your life that's there happened? There are a few times, and it's really sad to say this, but it is the truth that these have all been multiple times in my life where the internal critics have kind of sort of gotten to me internally. Allah, you know Allah. what I'm saying? And I've just had to like raise my hands to Allah and say, Ya Rab, you know what I'm doing? I'm doing for your sake. You have to protect me, Ya Rab. Allah. So, yeah, and multiple times it was getting very, very nasty. Uh, and I've had to yani, resort to that type of yani, pleading oh. to Allah Azza wa Jalla. Have you ever been threatened? Have you ever been? Multiple times. Oh. Are Muslims or non-Muslims? Both. Both. Yeah. Uh, so 10 years ago, uh, <laughs> so ironic, I mean, uh, when, uh, so I was the only uh, American cleric uh, that was actually, th- well, there was one more, but uh, twice, no, yeah, the only that was twice threatened with ISIS by name. Like oh, they published wow. a picture of me, Sheikh Yasser Qadi, Murtad, to wow. be executed in their magazine, Dabiq. They had a magazine. Wow. They published my picture. This is, you know, 10 years ago. Subhanallah. It, it got international attention at so the time. So you were up the, up the, up the top yeah, list? Because, you know, when they did the, um, the, the bombing in, in France about the cartoonists, yes, whatever, yes, right? Yes, yes. I gave a khutbah. In which, of course, I criticize the cartoonists, but I also criticize these people for terrorism. Thinking that way. Yeah. You know? So I criticize that this is not, you know, Islam. jihad. This is not Islam. You know? And I proved why it's not. And it, so they released a fatwa that I'm a murtad halal ad-dam. Ex- they called for my assassination. Allah they called for my assassination. That I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then a year later, I gave a fatwa, I gave a khutbah uh, about why terrorism is not Islam, something like that. I forgot the title, but you'll find it online. It's online, you know? Love, uh, they had love. done something stupid again. Was it burning the guy? Some, you know, these people, come on, man, they're not. This is not the Prophet's religion, man. Wallahi, this is not the Prophet's religion. This type of killing and violence and burning people, come on, man. A'udhu billah, killing the civilians Amen. like this, come on. How can you believe this is Islam? And, but they use these slogans. That, again, this is the danger of radicalism, the danger of fundamentalism, right? So I gave another khutbah where I just deconstructed their thought. And, and so they released it again that, you know, he needs to be executed. Wow. So actually, how did I find out? SubhanAllah, the, the FBI in America, I'd never interacted with them. In the, they visited my house. They said, you better be careful. We heard chatter. Uh, in our whatever yeah, the, you know, about your name. and obviously like you know I'm born and raised in America but I was anti-Second Amendment you know the Second Amendment what it is <laughs> you know the Second Amendment yeah, yeah. I have to arm uh, yeah so that's the, the right to arm yeah. yeah I was always anti-Second Amendment that was the day I went and got a gun bro I got a wife and kids man subhanallah and, and I know sadly that there are crazy people in our community out there look what's happening on, not that I'm saying these people online are, but that mentality that the mentality of just like my way or the highway, right? That mentality of complete intolerance, it breeds into violence. Because yes, yes. once you've said this guy is a threat, this guy is dangerous and evil, wow. why? Because he holds an opinion that I think is wrong. I mean, that level of yani, you know, simplistic fundamentalism, it feeds into more complicated fundamentalism, right? And so now, interestingly enough, you're talking about the, the other threat. At the same time, exact same time, this is the far right rising in America. Oh, wow. When Obama was president, the far yes, right before yes, Trump comes yes, in, right? Before Trump. And so they started saying that I'm a stealth jihadist wow. in Tennessee. Undercover. Yeah, undercover. 
Wow. And, and <laughs> you got both angles. And at the exact same time. And <laughs> Steve, I, I, you probably don't know the name, but Robert Spencer, Pamela Geller, like these are the big Islamophobes, the biggest Islamophobes, yeah, we right? Call them, yeah. They they started mentioning my name. By right. name. By name. Because they literally, literally, one of the most evil so things that they get, these, they sliced a video into an audio. There's no audio. They, uh, there's no video. They sliced a 10-hour lecture into snippets where I'm talking about, I quoted the verse, you know, the Prophet and I'm said, yani, whatever, and you're quoting a hadith, and it's about jihad. And they sliced it together, and they constructed a paragraph that I had never said. It's still, by the way, online somewhere because they did it. This is like nefarious evil, nefarious wow. evil, right? And it sounds like I'm calling for jihad. Even wow. though I've never been that type of person my whole life, I was a fundamentalist. I was never pro-violence or jihad, never in my life. I was like hardcore in my views, but I was never violent, never. So they literally constructed and faked an audio. Wow. And then they put a picture of me and the video. So just a picture, still a picture. And they said, this is this is Yasir Qadi. At, at, I was teaching at Rhodes College at the time, the university. I was a proper professor in Islamic studies because that was my career. I was a professor of Islamic studies, right? This university was inundated with 10,000 emails and letters. How can you have a jihadist fire him? Allahu Akbar. And because this is Tennessee, which is far more yani, you know, conservative and, and whatnot, death threats started coming in. Death threats, literally, I, can't, I still have it somewhere you know, in, my, in my files. Just like in the cartoons where you have like, Papers pieced together like a car, you know, like A, B, like that, like cut, like that, like that, cut, you know, uh, and and sent to me, like, you know, uh, and of course, lots of hate mail and lots of whatnot, right? What did this, what did the uni have your back? Alhamdulillah, they called me in, I explained to them, and I showed them, I literally showed them, you know, this is a complete fabrication. This deep fake of that, yeah, I literally said to them, you know, and the FBI came to them as well. Can you believe the FBI came about the, the ISIS and the FBI came about the far right? Like yeah, both. Th- this is the irony being canceled <laughs> by both sides at the same time. Allah and this Allah. was the irony like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> you know, what are you going to do here? You know, subhanAllah. So they you painted know? you in two different exactly. strokes completely the so same time. So while ISIS is saying, I'm a liberal sellout, which is what these critics also say, I'm a reformist sellout, you know, the far right is saying, I'm a still jihadist. Subhanallah. It's literally the irony of ironies. Like at the exact same year, 2013, 2014, this is Allah happening. You know and so it was just like, that was a tense phase for me at the time, you know? It would have been a and test. It's just like, you know, who's going to, what's going to happen? Allahu alam, you got to watch your back both ways. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what do you do? Like, what do you do, man? Allah al-Musta'ala. Allahu Akbar. Allah. But you know, Akbar. you just put your trust in Allah Azza wa Jal. And, and what are you going to do? Because in the end of the day, somebody has to speak out, man. This is what is irritating me so much. You see stupidity happening in the name of Islam, stupidity happening on the other side, right? Who's going to educate? Who's going to? I didn't ask for this, but if Allah has given me the knowledge and a voice and a platform, I have to do something. So I have to speak out against these radicals because our youth, you remember 10 years ago, our youth were genuinely confused. Right. And then on the other side, you got the far right and you got those crazies, you know, doing whatever they're doing. Who's going to speak out against them? Who's going to actually say, and that was, again, if you, uh, the one of the things that really uh, caused a lot of attention on me was a New York Times article about me, front front page. Front page. Front page. Wow. New wow. York Times, a 10,000 word article um, in which I was taking on the jihadists, challenging jihadists. Um, 
because the issue was that the government was treating me like a terrorist, you know, secondary screening, this and that. And the jihadists are calling me a sellout. So again, the same, the <laughs> same, Allah. the same thing, right? Oh the both thing. Because the thing is, my my philosophy and assessment is very simple. The rise of these radical groups, jihadism, Qaeda, ISIS, has very little to do with Islam and fiqh and aqidah. It has more to do with foreign policy. Okay. Now the awkwardness comes as an American, especially at the time, if you try to say this is a reaction to your false invasions. Mm. You're going to be labeled yeah. a traitor to your country. Yes, yes. I was saying this in as wise of a wording that I thought humanly possible. And I'm not trying to bag or boast. I don't know any other preacher that was speaking like this. And you can listen. These lectures are all online. The articles are they're still online. All of this is online. I was trying to contextualize and say to the far right, this is not from the Quran. This is politics, right? And then to the within our own camps, the fundamentalists, the fanatics that are, uh, that, like this is not what Allah wants you to do. You should not be signing up and joining Syria. Audhu billah. Yeah. You have da'wah opportunities here. They're trying to pull both strings to the middle. Yeah. Right? They're trying so, to pull both so strings. I was caught up in between this battle on both sides and each one is labeling me the other because that's what they need to do in this yeah. regard. But somebody's got to do it. And you know, in the end of the day, Allah is the judge, but you have to, you have to contribute Allah, the way that is the most, you know, what most. A, what a tough position. What a tough place to be. Allah, Allah protect you. Allah. Do you hear any security guards? Allahu khayrun hafidhan wa arhamur rahimin. I never had any security guards and I don't plan. Actually, even people told me you should not go to Islamic conventions. You should not go to, I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm not, I, I didn't, I didn't study to just go and sit in my house. Allah, Allah I didn't Madarik. spend so many, uh, this Allah is what blessings. I have to do. May Allah put blessing in all you do. May Allah keep us steadfast. Amen, amen. Amen, amen. Uh, we always like to uh, end the podcast with an I am statement. Mm. Um, so, for example, I, I, I say, I am myself, I am a student that aims to be of benefit. That is my I am statement. Mm. What would your I am be statement be? <laughs> I am somebody who has fallen short of Allah's obligations on me. Allah Azawajal gave me the opportunity to do so much, so much, and I have fallen short in many of those obligations. So I am in need of Allah's mercy. I'm in need of Allah's rahmah. Uh, I am somebody who is desiring Allah's pleasure. Uh, I am somebody who wishes to contribute uh, to the ummah, primarily in the preservation of Islam of the next generation. That's what I, I want to do. I want to protect my kids and their, 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 their kids after them and their generation. I'm somebody who is desiring to seek sadaqajariya because I only have one life to live. Mm. So I want to maximize that potential by helping as many people as I can so that even if I fall short, perhaps some of the good deeds that they have done, perhaps I can take a share of that so that inshallah, I can overcompensate for my own shortcomings in, in Allahumma Ameen Everyone say Allahumma Ameen Ameen Allahumma Ameen Allah bless you It's a pleasure Any, any plans for the future? Anything? Doors keep on opening I don't plan Doors keep on opening I had no clue I would be where I am right now And this is I leave it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala May Allah bless you Alhamdulillah and if, and, and, Inshallah maybe we'll come to the US to visit <laughs> Inshallah, inshallah. inshallah. We would love inshallah. inshallah to visit Inshallah Jazakallah khair for being on the podcast Jazakallah khair for sharing Sharing amazing stories Thank you for your sincerity One of the most important things Is having brothers like yourself Sincere 
and putting it out you're to assuming f- sincerity and once again that is a dangerous assumption Sorry. we pray for sincerity Amen. nobody should assume sincerity in oneself right so we ask allah for sincerity Amen. and we always aim for sincerity Amen. realizing that sincerity is a very very elusive elusive you know, it is, it is. yeah allah it who is can, who can be certain Amen. about the inner recesses of one's own heart. Amen. So you strive for sincerity, you hope for sincerity, you pray for sincerity, only Allah knows who is truly sincere. Amen. Allahumma barik. Allahumma bless you. Allahumma barik. Zakum Allah khair for listening. And inshallah we will inshallah next time you come in we'd love to have you again. Allahumma barik and inshallah we'll, we'll see you at uh, the, the next functions inshallah pleasure was my zakallah for having me inshallah please guys uh, you know to keep this podcast going would love you guys to keep uh, the subscription button we have mashallah we're having international views mashallah we popped in the UK and east coast and west coast of America currently after 6 17 episodes so i think this is the 20th now we've got another four in the in the pipeworks so inshallah I'll be releasing to everybody we'd just love for you guys to subscribe because it does help the podcast to reach a further audience inshallah jazakallah khair wa barakatuh wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh